Welcome to the Filmed Live Musicals Podcast, a podcast about stage musicals that have been legally filmed and publicly distributed. The Filmed Live Musicals website contains information on nearly 200 musicals that have been captured live. Check it out at filmedlivemusicals.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 40 of the Filmed Live Musicals podcast. I'm your host, Louisa Lyons, and my guest today is Kayla Capone-Casper, performer, creator, and teacher. Regionally, Kayla has appeared in The Marvelous Wondrettes, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, and Company, to name just a few of her extensive credits. During the pandemic, Kayla appeared in Laura Benanti's Sunshine Songs concert, and in March 2022, Kayla debuted her delightful one-woman show, Becoming Benanti, The Role of a Lifetime, which was live-streamed from the Green Room 42 in New York City. Welcome, Kayla. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So to start us off with, what made you fall in love with musical theater? Oh, probably seeing the musicals, the musical movies as a kid were, I think, my first experiences. The Sound of Music, West Side Story, and just singing along, standing on my fireplace, thinking I'm Julie Andrews. (laughs) Yeah. Beautiful. Do you have a particular favorite of those movie musicals that you still love to put on every now and then? Well, those two, I would say those are probably the most formative and the ones that come to mind first. And they're they're vastly different. So they're pretty neck and neck for different reasons. <laughs> yeah. What drew you? Obviously, Sound of Music, children singing in the beautiful Austrian Alps. <laughs> what isn't yes. there to love, Julie Andrews, like you said. <laughs> yeah. But what's something about each of them that, that makes your heart sing? What that draws you to them? Well, I think... I think the sound of music is is that's the one I think of first, probably the first exposure or experience I had. And I remember it fondly being like a family affair, you know, sitting with my family, watching it. And it was usually it usually airs around the holidays, which I'm not really sure why, but it does. <laughs> so yeah, just it makes me think of family and togetherness. And I think the music and the story all illustrate that and bring it together as well. So um, it just reminds me of, you know, happy times from my childhood. And I still, it still rings true. I still love it. I think the music and the story are still really relevant and as just as beautiful today. Totally. And I I really love the kind of idea that The Sound of Music, when it was first released, was like critically panned and didn't do as well as people had hoped, like as Rodgers and Hammerstein, but it has become this staple because it was syndicated on television and it's been on VHS and DVD. And I, I think an anniversary just happened, actually, uh, of yeah. its release. And it has become like beloved by millions of people around the world and not just from the time that it was released but like generations afterwards have come to have grown to love it too yeah yeah absolutely and I just saw a theater nearby did a production a really wonderful production at the Fulton Theater in Lancaster and it happening right now was so poignant with everything going on in Russia and Ukraine between those two and they really dedicated their performance to the people of Ukraine. And it was just amazing and really moving to see that in the year 2022, that there's still hatred and discrimination and people that stand against it and that music can be a part of that and part of healing for people. So um, it's still, like I said, it still rings true today. Mm. Very, very much so. And speaking of today, how about West Side Story? Mm-hmm. Did you see make? Oh, yes. Yes. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Another another story that, again, it just, it was when, I don't know, when did it come out? Do you know? The original? Yeah. Or the new one? The, the original. Like 60s? The 60s, yeah. Something, 61 maybe? Yeah. So that's 
oh, oh my gosh, what, 80 years ago now? <laughs> Which is crazy to think. Of. Not quite that. Wait, no, what 60? am I saying? 60? 60. 60. <laughs> 60 years. Oh my God. <laughs> I can do math. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. My parents are not 80. <laughs> yeah, but it was a powerful story then. And of course, you know, like the story of Romeo and Juliet is a timeless tale, but I think West Side Story took it to a different new level that was really relatable to what people face, people of different cultures and discrimination that they face. And that that's still unfortunately an issue today. And to remake it and to tell it from the perspective of people today who are facing those issues is a beautiful, a beautiful thing. I mean, it's like I said, obviously that's awful that that's happening. But um, again, I think the the music and the the reclamation of things and the owning of their culture and and um, and their music and it's it's beautiful that that happens to, again right now, again and again and over and over. Mm-hmm. Going back quickly to The Sound of Music, have you ever played Maria? Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. That's the key word. (laughs) Yes, I've been in several times, but not yet. (laughs) One day you shall keep following in your trajectory of playing roles that have also been played by Laura Bonatti. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) I'm curious if you grew up watching filmed live musicals, so not movie musicals, but films of live stage shows. Actually, Lara Benanti in Into the Woods was definitely one that I can remember watching. I, I don't know that I watched it when it first came out. Maybe I watched it in college. Um, and also Gypsy, another another Lara Benanti. The, what year was that? 2008 revival? Um, I saw that. And just in- to clarify, are these sneaky bootlegs or pro shots? Because I, um, to my knowledge, they neither of those were actually filmed. Oh, really? I thought that the I thought that Gypsy. I don't know. I I honestly don't remember because it was <laughs> years ago now that I've seen them. But um, yeah, I don't I don't remember. I, okay, I need to dig into the. Yeah, you would know better than me. Dig deeply. I would. I if there. I want to see Laura Benanti's Into the Woods. Um, yes, please. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, she plays Cinderella. Uh huh. Glorious. Okay, I need to find that one out because I'm not aware of that one. Uh, if it's out there, so I need to add that to my list. <laughs> yeah, it might be a bootleg. I don't know. <laughs> don't remember. <laughs> There's just so much content out there these days. Yes. God bless YouTube. And speaking of the interwebs, I would love to ask you about your journey to becoming a viral internet sensation on TikTok and Instagram. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, where to begin? I mean, really began with COVID happening, with everything shutting down. Um, the internet and putting things out there online was always a just a void of scariness to me, I guess, before. Um, And I think there was something about like, you know, posting yourself singing that seemed cringy to me at the time when I was younger and that I didn't want to do that because I was embarrassed. And so my own, you know, being in my own head about it. But as the pandemic continued and continues, <laughs> I teach voice. And the first thing that I really, the big virtual leap was teaching online because I only taught in-person lessons uh, before the pandemic hit and then realized uh, very gratefully that I can continue to do my job online, which is amazing. A lot of people couldn't say that. A lot of people, unfortunately, lost jobs. Um, so I learned how to do that, figured figured it out, and graciously all my students transitioned with me and figured it out too. And um, here we are two years later, still there. And I mean, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but now I have students, I've worked with a student in Malaysia, uh, Uruguay, like around the world, really. And I have some consistently across the country. Um, So the accessibility for, it really opened my eyes in a lot of ways in that regard. But 
through all of that, my students were the ones that really were egging me on to post things online, especially through TikTok, which was just bursting um, at um, the beginning of the pandemic when people were, I think, turning to video and, and live stream and those things for entertainment since we couldn't see things in person anymore. And yeah, these things always existed, but now it was sort of the only option. So a lot of people um, pivoted and used their creativity in different ways. And I watched a lot of people first and observed really incredible artists doing amazing things and thought, well, you know what? It's not cringy when they do it. It's awesome. So (laughs) what am I so afraid of? I don't know. Um, I guess I'll give my hand at it. And and for me, too, figuring out what I want that to be was a journey of itself um, because I am a performer and I also teach voice. And there's a lot of different content out there and a lot of avenues you could go down. But for me, I decided what I really want to put out there is just kind of being a person over a performer and showing the the work that goes into things, the things behind the scenes, practice, rejection, fears and doubts, you know, all of those things that go into it. And I guess a lot of people can relate to that because that's those are the things that people have been drawn to that I post. So yeah. And so refreshing because so often what we see on social media is the glossy successful side of things. And so I think perhaps what drew people to your content is that it was real and it wasn't just the glossy, happy, look at me being amazing, successful. This is also, here's the hard work I have to put behind that in order to get there. Yeah. And I think too, my story is not really the traditional quote unquote story. I don't know that that even exists anymore, but like I didn't go to, I didn't get a BFA. I didn't go to school in four years. I didn't even start pursuing theater until after college in my mid twenties. So um, what did you, what were you studying first? What, like when you, so you fell in love with theater as a young person and then mm -hmm. what was your trajectory after that? So I did, absolutely. And I did, you know, my high school productions and some community theater a little bit. But um, I didn't I, I didn't grow up poor, but I, we didn't have means to do voice lessons or things like that. And in the community that I was in, it wasn't really uh, it, it wasn't really a thing, I guess. <laughs> um, there weren't many examples of that. And so I think that's actually part of what drew me to things that were filmed or live because I didn't, or filmed live or, or recorded because I didn't have in-person examples of that. So I turned Mm -hmm. to movies or things that were recorded. Um, and yeah, so I didn't have a voice lesson. I just loved to sing. I really had no idea what I was doing. I actually, in high school, I didn't get cast in any, I was in the ensemble every year, which is great. There's nothing wrong with the ensemble, but I just had no idea what I was doing. I mean, in my auditions, I would stand there with my music in front of my face and just sing it because I didn't know you, I didn't know you were supposed to act or do things or have it memorized. No one ever told me. Um, So my voice has sort of always lent itself to sounding classical and not because of any training. It's, I mean, maybe because I watched Julie Andrews, but I sort of imitated things, you know, and that's just where it sort of sat and lived. And I thought what that meant was that I'd have to do opera. And so, um, also most training programs, um, if you're studying voice specifically, if you're not doing theater, uh, they are classically based. So you'll be classically trained in voice. So, that's what I thought. I thought I was going to go into opera. Um, but yeah, doing that in college, it was great. I got great training, but it was also just stand in the nook of the piano and sing beautifully. And there was not much else to it. Um, and I studied music in as your undergrad. I did. I did. I studied music. I got my BA in music voice performance. Um, and I worked with a wonderful teacher and it was great. But it wasn't until afterwards, really, that I connected with a voice teacher who did musical theater 
and introduced the idea of cross-training or doing other things with their voice and that you have abilities to make other sounds and you don't just have to do one thing, um, which was mind-blowing to me, really eye-opening. Um, but the thing that really, the thing that really um, changed things for me was learning how to not be perfect, I guess, <laughs> which was very difficult when your training is focused just on beautiful, perfect, essentially singing. Um, so to learn that the story is more important and how to let go of the perfection and all of that and be present. And it's funny because now that is so much of what I do <laughs> and what I post about and what I talk about because it was so freeing for me to learn that for myself as I went, you know, was going through adolescence thinking I had to be perfect. Mm. So if you, you weren't like exposed to lessons or didn't have access to lessons and things like that, mm -mm. what led you to applying even for a BFA in voice performance at a college level? I knew I wanted to do music. Like I knew I wanted to sing. I loved singing. I loved performing, even though I didn't quite know what I was doing. <laughs> I just knew that I had to be doing it. Um, and I got great, like I got great feedback from people. But um, yeah, I, well, the, at this point, I think it was still dial up internet. So I literally sat down at my computer and it was like, do, 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 and I typed into Probably not Google. It was probably like you, Yahoo or Ask Jeeves or something. Or Ask Jeeves, yeah. <laughs> I typed in how to audition and I uh, learned, I had two songs that I learned. I had to do one in a foreign language. So my choir teacher helped me a little bit with, I'd sang a German song, I remember. One in English, one in German. And we sang some foreign language in, in choir, so she helped me a little bit with some of the pronunciation. But, like, I just I just practiced in my room or after school, like, in the choir room and, and somehow got in somewhere. <laughs> Where did you go to school? Uh, Lebanon Valley College in, here in Pennsylvania. What a, I love that story. That <laughs> it makes everything that has happened since even more the – even all the more special. It's yeah. just, it's so wonderful. And how you've been able to become a light for those kids that are now with their very fast broadband internet typing into <laughs> Google, <laughs> how to audition, what, how do I do that? And, and you are now a resource for people like yourself. So I think that's really, really beautiful. Yeah, I think that was even a motivation for me as I was young too. Like I had the awareness of going through high school and seeing other even people at other schools having other opportunities and thinking, um, man, I wish I had that. <laughs> and <laughs> part of it was thinking, I want to, I want to be that for other people. I want to be what I didn't have. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I hope that in some way I can, and I am. You absolutely are. <laughs> What a glorious thing. And someone that in turn inspired you is, of course, Laura Benanti. When did she – and so I have two questions there. Yeah. When did you first realize that, oh, my God, my doppelganger is a musical <laughs> theater star? And uh, secondly, when did, she, when did she come into your life? Um, pro probably high school. I think I maybe became first aware of her. And in high school, I wasn't like – wasn't like a big musical theater kid either. I also played basketball and um, like my family were, were very sports. Um, and then I did theater, but I wasn't like a, a theater kid, you know? Um, I wish I was. And I love all my students that are theater kids now and think it's embarrassing. I'm like, guys, it's not embarrassing. It's awesome. <laughs> um, <who> you are. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I wish I had owned it when I was younger. Um but yeah, probably high school. And, you know, I grew up in New Jersey and Laura's from New Jersey. So probably like hearing her name around and, you know, seeing whatever she was in at the time. I was in high school around when Gypsy came out. So or when she was in Gypsy. So um, that was probably one of the first things. 
And I loved, I loved Stephen Sondheim. I loved Into the Woods. Um, so then seeing that she had done that, you know, finding that, watching that, listening to that. Um, and I guess I thought about how he looked like a little bit, but it didn't cross my mind that much. I mean, brown hair, brown curly. If you have brown curly hair and light eyes, you're told you look like everyone <laughs> who also has brown curly hair and light eyes. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think I was in general drawn to anyone that had a soprano voice because it's not as common in musical theater and seeing someone that did that in theater specifically was like, oh, maybe I can do that too. I don't just have to do opera. I can do the thing that I really love, which is theater. So um, seeing her, you know, from New Jersey, from a similar place and background, was wonderful and then yeah years later actually connecting and being friends is wild (laughs) (laughs) let's fast fast forward to that time yeah (laughs) with the does it start with the sunshine songs during the pandemic yeah so I think that was one of the first things it was sort of a combination of that and TikTok because anytime I posted a video singing something or doing something I mean, and it happens today. Every day there's a comment. You look like Lara Benanti. You remind me of Lara Benanti. It was constant. (laughs) Yeah, I have hundreds, like probably thousands of comments saying that. That's hysterical. (laughs) Which is great. I mean, yeah, it's great. I, I, like I said, I'd never thought about it really that much before, but now I do. Yes. (laughs) So for folks who don't know, can you explain what are the Sunshine Songs and what is the Sunshine Songs concert? Mm -hmm. So Laura, her mother is a voice teacher. And I think Laura actually talks about, you know, with COVID, she and her husband and her daughter, they moved in with her parents uh, during COVID, moved out of the city back into, into New Jersey, into her parents' home for the short time it was supposed to be. Um, and yeah, it's just going to be two weeks and then we'll be right back. To work. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, two years later. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think she's, she's moved into her own place now, but, <laughs> but you know, um, so her mother is a voice teacher and she talked about witnessing her mother having students who were devastated that their high school musicals were canceled and that uh, it was just heartbreaking to watch her mother being so sad for her students and watching the students being so upset. And this was happening across the country and being the wonderful philanthropist person that she is, she was like, I want to do something about this. And she posted a video to social media saying, hey, high school theater kids, college theater kids, theater kids. I know your shows are canceled and that really sucks because for me, my high school musical was my lifeline. Like that was my saving grace, my safe space. And I'm so sorry you can't perform, but I want to hear you perform. I want to be your audience. I want to see you and hear you. So please post yourself, post yourself singing your role, singing something, anything, and I will watch And she did. And it went crazy. I mean, I think it went well beyond what she ever expected with thousands and thousands of submissions. And I I saw it. And I was vocal directing a production, a high school production of Heather's at the time. And our show was canceled the day before Tech Week. So a week before the show was opening. Um, And I posted, I started posting my students' clips of them, clips of students in my studio, um, because I also have my private studio. So just students and musicals all around the area that were canceled. Um, And Laura saw and she commented on every single video, which is, I mean, she said she'd watch them and she did. She really did. And it was just such a neat thing for them, you know, to have a person like Laura acknowledge their work and um, it was just a glimmer of sunshine, you know, like, like she said, sunshine songs, um, during that time. So yeah. And then she took it a step further and made it a concert, which was really amazing. 
Just so beautiful. And you were able to be a part of that concert? Yeah. So I think that she did five concerts in total and they were all live streamed and they're still available now. They're still up on YouTube, but they were live streamed and they were, she partnered with different organizations to send them into nursing homes, um, hospitals, places, wherever there were people in isolation, children or senior citizens or anyone really. Um, yeah, to bring them some music and sunshine during this time. And so, yeah, she she sent me a message. She reached out to me and asked if I would sing for one of them. And I sent in my video and I sang, um, um, oh, I sang from the music, man. What did I sing? Till There Was You. <laughs> Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And my grandparents watched. And um, yeah, it was just, it was wonderful. And Laura told me her daughter thought I was her when I was singing. So <laughs> there it is again. <laughs> you can't get higher praise than how old is Laura's daughter? Like three or four? She, I think she was then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those videos you see of uh, kids with um, – a dad or a mom who's a twin and and the twin shows up and the kid does a double take <laughs> yes <laughs> I love those they're so cute um so how did your gorgeous one woman show becoming Benanti become a thing <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> It's a combination of all of this, like a culmination of everything, because you watch the show. It's not just about the things that Laura and I share in common or looking alike. It really is my life story and um, and hers is intertwined in there as well. And there are a lot of things we have in common, um, including, I guess, what we look like. <laughs> but I think I think more importantly what we share in common and why we connect and why we have become friends is because of the values that we share. And um, I wanted to make this show sort of as a tribute to her, I guess, and who she is. And um, she's been a great influence in my life lately and has been really encouraging and helpful over the past couple of years. Um, and also just put out there, you know, that you can do, I don't know, this sounds so cheesy, you can do anything. <laughs> like, it's so corny. But um, yeah, the show was born out of, like, I'm billed as a viral TikTok star. And I don't consider myself that, I guess. But um, that's simply because I started posting videos of what I connected with and people resonated with it. And it wasn't because of trying to be anything, which I did do for a long time. A lot of my youth, I was really trying, thinking I had to be a certain thing or fit into a certain mold. And it wasn't until I stopped doing that and just started putting myself out there in the way that I want to, I guess, um, that this all came to be. And it was through yeah, always being compared to her, which is such a honor to be compared to her, um, and all the things we have in common and realizing this could be a thing, this could be a show. And then our friend Michael Kushner, um, who was the director of programming at the Green Room 42 at the time, reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to do a show? And I had kind of had this in my head, this vision of doing this, and yeah, and it just it came to be pretty quickly. <laughs> Though it was so a drawn out process, it came to be quickly. <laughs> when did you start writing after that initial kind of seed of an idea? Well, so he reached out to me in December and asked gave me a date of January. <laughs> and so it was like a month. <laughs> There's and I was nothing like, like a deadline to get it done. <laughs> okay, we can do this. Yeah, and I had a lot of it in my head already and even some things written down that I'd thought about um, because, it. listen, the comments about the comparison had gotten so rampant that it was comical that I would screenshot them and I, just, I have an album saved on my phone, a folder of these comments saying I look like Laura Benanti. So I'm like, this is, a, this is a bit or something. <laughs> it can be used for something somewhere. 
So there were ideas there. And so a lot of the writing happened in December, but then everything with Omicron spiked and I, it was cause I'm in Pennsylvania. So it was just difficult for me to get into the city and to feel safe and to rehearse with my accompanist. And she'd been exposed to COVID. And I was like, Hey, do you think we can move it? I just, I don't think it's going to happen. I can't, I can't get in there and rehearse. And so then we moved it to March and then there was more time, but really the bulk of the writing happened in that first month. And the last, you know, the months following it were sort of polishing and tying up loose ends and really bringing it all together. And where did the wonderful idea for having the conceit of the show be an audition to play Laura Bonatti? I don't know, somewhere in my head. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it would be funny to make the whole thing be an audition to to play her. <laughs> I Yeah, there's the roles she's played are things that I've either also played or want to play. There's just so much in common that I just thought it would be a fun, a fun idea for the show. It's, and it works so well and it, it makes it, as you've described previously, that the show is not just a cabaret. It's, it's a, it's a show. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a play. Yeah. A one woman play mm-hmm. that tells a story and has an arc and yeah, it's not just a song and patter. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but right. it's, it elevates it to a different level. Yeah. Um, when through Michael Kushner, the wonderful multi-hyphenate uh, host and um, photographer and all around great person, when did the idea of streaming the show come into the conversation? So the green room has always offered streaming. That was part of my offer package. I think there was like a, a not a large fee for me to pay perfectly reasonable to make streaming available. Um, and I was going to do that no matter what, but then when everything happened with Omicron, they decided they were going to offer streaming for every single show no fees, no nothing, just no matter what. And they're still doing that. I don't know how long they will do that for, but I think it's wonderful. I, and I hope they keep doing it. They've got mm-hmm. such an amazing program of, of stuff. I'm always, every week, there. I have several things from their, yeah. their calendar in, in my newsletter because there's just so, and it's a lot of musical theater stuff and a really interesting, a unique artist too. It's It's not the kind of mainstream. Yes, yeah. And how much did you, or how much involvement did you have in how it was filmed? Or was that something that the green room just takes care of? They took care of it. They Well, so they, I also had it filmed for myself to be archived. And so I worked with a videographer, um, famous in New York. They, those are, you can watch all of the songs from my show on their channel, except for the one where I announced my pregnancy. I put that on my channel. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but she was really great to collaborate with for filming that for those clips sort of, um, sent me questions beforehand if there was anything specific I wanted. And I let her know, um, I think my show was unique in the sense of having a lot of video in it. And, um, my show was reviewed and that was mentioned in the review that, Typically, that's discouraged in a live show, but for what my show was, it made so much sense and it was necessary. So that was something that we had to talk about, about filming that and capturing the video and the audio of that. Um, I think it worked really well for the live stream because it was all plugged in, but for this, nothing was plugged in. So we sort of overlaid things after the fact, Um, but it took a little collaboration but the live stream, the green room really took care of everything. And um, we talked about things a little bit in the rehearsal, but really they just did it and nailed it. <laughs> That's so cool. And I wish more theaters had that set up available and had it built into hiring the theater. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> what was the response to the live stream? great. I mean, (laughs) I was, I had no idea what it looked like and I was able to watch it after the fact. Um, but I was just so grateful because I'm not in New York city. I, I do have a community and lots of friends in New York, but, um, 
you know, I grew up in New Jersey. I'm currently in Pennsylvania. I work with people across the country. So I have people kind of everywhere and people interested in watching um, family, you know, that couldn't make it in and things like that. So to be able to watch it live and from what I understand, there weren't any issues with the stream um, was just just wonderful. And people were really, really thrilled and grateful that it was available that way. And so was I. And I'm not sure if the Green Room 42 does this for all their streamed events, but for this particular event, uh, they made it available if you had purchased a ticket uh, for 24 hours or 48 hours. I can't remember what it was now, but they, they made it available afterwards, which mm-hmm. I loved because the night of the live stream, I happened to be somewhere that had terrible internet. And so it kept glitching and I was like, no, but I was able to watch it afterwards, which I was so grateful that I could because it was, it was just so delightful and so much fun. And there were so many wonderful elements to it that I'm just so grateful that I could see it, even though I couldn't be in there in person. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad you watched. (laughs) Of course, of course. And we have to talk about, you just mentioned Laura Benanti announcing your pregnancy, which was the most amazing moment of the show. Oh my gosh. So that was not a part of the initial plan for the show. (laughs) Um, So before she announced it, actually, this was part of the plan. I had this idea of her sort of like calling in and saying like you're sending a cease and desist that she's going to sue me or like you know <laughs> something for impersonating her <laughs> so that was always part of the plan but then i found out i was pregnant at the end of january and was like oh my god <laughs> um and so oh man so crazy and the way that laura and i are connected is this is truly wild but The day before I found out I was pregnant, I found out that I booked the role of Amalia in She Loves Me, which Lara has played. And Lara played the role when she was pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And that one I have watched because it's available. Yes, and it was... In fact, one of the uh, the first Broadway musicals to be live streamed. Yes, and with one of the my favorite performances of Vanilla Ice Cream ever, when uh, she drops the ice cream. <laughs> yes, I'm so glad that was captured. <laughs> I have watched that so many times, <laughs> so many times. Um, so yeah, I found out I was pregnant, and I was going to be playing this role that Laura had not only had Laura played, but that she'd played it pregnant. <laughs> it was like, That's well, crazy. this should tie into the show because, man, <laughs> what a wild, wild thing to have in common. <laughs> Couldn't write that. Like, it doesn't no. sound real. Like, no. if, if you put that in a script, they'd be like, a little too much. But right. it's real life. It's even better. <laughs> right. So... Yeah, so I reached out to her and she had already asked about, um, you know, if she actually asked me if I wanted her to record anything for the show, which is amazing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so the plan was always that video. And then I reached out again and was like, hey, so a little change, actually. (laughs) We can maybe we can keep that video, but also would you like to be a part of announcing my pregnancy? And she was like, oh my God, oh my God, this is crazy. I can't believe this. <laughs> like, could not, could not believe it. She I'm was like, I'm dead. <laughs> she literally was like, I'm dying. <laughs> uh, and was very, very on board. And um, yeah, so my idea was to have her, and I gave her like very loose thoughts and just told her to run with it and do whatever she wanted. And it was perfect and hilarious. But my idea for that was, you know, that I'm playing Amalia and she loves me. And if she could give me some advice, cause she's done it, but the advice would actually be about doing it pregnant. <laughs> and that's how I announced it to the world. <laughs> and it's such a beautiful moment. And it leads into that gorgeous rendition of everything changes from waitress. Oh where you're bawling your eyes out, the audience is crying. <laughs> we can picture your family around the country bawling their eyes out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I didn't know if I would get through that. Like every time we rehearsed it, I just cried. I was like, guys, I don't know. <laughs> and that was, you know, an addition also that wasn't, that wasn't initially in the original show. Um, but it just felt, it, it was, um, it was tricky because obviously that sways from Laura's canon of things she's done, but it doesn't because she's a perform a, a mother who, performs so it is part of her canon and story as well which is what I wanted the show to be I didn't want it just to be Rose Laura's done but um like I said before about her life and my life as well so that included a few other songs (laughs) and that speaks to again this idea of authenticity and being true to who you are and being true to the moment that you're in I I think that's just it's so beautiful and I I'm all choked up thinking about it again. <laughs> it was just such a glorious moment in the show and a glorious moment in your life. And yeah. congratulations again. It's so exciting. Thank you. Of course. So will we see Becoming Benanti again? Will it make a reprise? I I have no idea. I really don't know. I think that it will in some way. I don't know. Well, it'll have to be a little different because you can kind of only announce your pregnancy once. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, and I would love to do something with Laura one day too. So I don't know. I don't know what that will be, Um, whether it will be something different or um, a new version of the show, but I, I hope so. I hope so too. Yeah. What would you say to other artists who are hesitant about putting themselves online in general or streaming their work? Uh, Well, I just think of, I have to just think about it for myself and understand the hesitancy because when you put something online, it, it sort of is forever, you know? And so that can feel scary. Um, But at the same time, when you think about today's day and age where we're consuming things all the time, it's not much different than seeing a performance. You know, someone will watch it once or a few times and probably move on. So it's the same idea of holding on to fears about performing in general um, and letting go of that and realizing that... um, by putting things online, you have the complete control of it and you can do whatever you want. There's no rules. There's no gatekeepers. There's no nothing. You can just be whatever and do whatever you want. So go, I mean, go for it. What do you have to lose? I think it's uh, an incredible thing. And you know what? There's always the delete button <laughs> if you really <laughs> if you really feel uh, worried about it. But um, yeah, at some point you got to kind of take the leap and, and not be afraid of putting yourself out there. I think it's only beneficial in today's day and age. Wonderful advice. And who knows who you might be inspiring by sharing of yourself. Yeah. Just as Laura had done for you and you were doing for so many people out there. <laughs> So I have several questions that I ask all my guests. You don't need to think about it too much. Whatever comes to mind is good. There are no wrong answers. Okay. And I I think I know the answer to the first question already, but I'm going to ask (laughs) it anyway. (laughs) Okay. What is your favorite musical? Oh, gosh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is so hard for me to answer because I have like like so many and they're all for different reasons. But I think like all time favorite is probably Into the Woods. Why why does Into the Woods rise to the top? The the story, there's, I sang two songs from Into the Woods in my show actually. Um, And the commentary on life and motherhood and like everything about it is just so beautiful and the music and yeah just everything (laughs) I'm totally with you it's one of the most glorious shows ever made yeah do you have a favorite filmed live musical hmm probably she loves me (laughs) yeah (laughs) love it uh A filmed live musical is not quite a stage show and it's not quite a movie. So Mm -hmm. what should we call it? 
Hmm. Filmed live musical. I, I don't know. I don't think you could come up with a better name, I guess. Wait, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> Where do you stand on bootlegs? Mm. Okay. I think that theater should be accessible to anyone and everyone, anywhere, everywhere, at all times, and that artists should be paid for their work. I think all of these things ring true. Um, But at the same time, it's not available everywhere and anywhere, and not everyone has the means of accessing it. So, you know, if there's a bootleg of someone who filmed in the back row of Wicked and no one saw their camera, didn't disturb the performers. And it's the first thing that it's the only thing that a little boy in Missouri can see. Then I love it for that reason. But um, I think that filming them professionally and having the control and everyone's permissions and all of those things are vastly important and um and that should exist for every single show and so I, it's a difficult conversation i think because it doesn't currently and so i understand why bootlegs exist and i've watched bootlegs and sometimes it's the only way i can experience a show um i wish it wasn't and i think that it will change i think it is changing i think it's becoming more accessible um yeah, that's my long-winded answer of but complexities. Answer. <laughs> very, very considerate about the complexities because it is a very complex issue. Mm-hmm. What stage musicals do you wish had been filmed? All of them. <laughs> 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 I really think that. I think that every performance, every show exists for a reason and that there is going to be at least one person that would connect to it and should be able to see it. <laughs> I always think of that line, I'd rather be nine people's favorite thing. Definitely. People's favorite thing. Like, but there was nine people, it's going to change their life. Absolutely. Totally. What would you like to see filmed, or what stage musicals would you like to see filmed in the future? Hmm. Um, I think there's um, really exciting new things happening. I think Town is a really revolutionary show that's still whirling on the wheels of success. And I haven't been able to see it and I would love to see it. So I would love a pro shot of that. Um, I think, like I said, I think all things should be available in the future. Like look at Hamilton. They were so worried that people wouldn't want to see it now that it was filmed. And I, I'm certain that the I don't have the results on hand, but like the ticket sales increased. People wanted to see it more after watching it filmed. They wanted to go in person and have that experience because it is a different experience. Yeah, absolutely. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) Where can we find you online? Oh, you can find me. My website is kaylacaponecasper.com. And then my social media, my Instagram, and my TikTok are both at Kayla Capone Casper. Fabulous. And we will, of course, have links to all of those in the show notes. And I know you're in rehearsals right now for the gorgeous musical Once. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about that and when that's happening? Yeah, we are. Oh, my gosh wrapping up the first week of rehearsal as we speak, actually. Um, We open April 22nd and uh, we run through the beginning of May. uh, I think May 8th, I think. (laughs) We'll we'll put it in the description, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that's that's at the Allenberry Playhouse in Pennsylvania. Um, And yeah, oh my gosh, I wish I wish that could be streamed because man, what a beautiful show and rehearsing it has been. We've really just been working on music the first week and uh it, the first day brought a tear to my eye just the first chord of the ensemble playing together for the first time is just magical. Can you have a word with your 
production team. <laughs> <laughs> it's not allowed. It's not. It's not up to them. Even it's um, yeah, the licensing, the rights. music and rights. Yeah, yeah. I wish. <laughs> uh, okay, we got to get to Glenn Hansard and and Marquetta. Yeah, hey, yeah, hey buddy, hey team. <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's please make this available for streaming because so mm-hmm. many, so many authors have so many playwrights and composers have made their work available but I, I know it's a very complicated issue but mm-hmm. we got it we got a campaign to to make it available and yeah. so you've got once coming up and then when is she loves me happening so we close once on may 8th and then i leave may 9th to go to massachusetts to do she loves me our first rehearsal is the 10th <laughs> you are having a busy spring into summer Yes. And that one, uh, I think we open May 27th and run through June 4th. Amazing. And then Mm -hmm. may I ask when your little human will be due? (laughs) (laughs) My little human, uh, my baby boy, he is due October 1st. So we'll see if it's September or October. (laughs) Very, very exciting. Maybe maybe you could just squeeze in one more show before you... <laughs> you know, I've already had I've already had offers of some things, so I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. True. We'll see. <laughs> well, Kayla, thank you so much. This has just been so delightful and I've really loved getting to know more about you and more of your story and your warmth and your authenticity and who you are just shines through and I'm I'm so grateful for this time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking with you. The Filmed Live Musicals podcast is created and edited by your host, Louisa Lyons. With thanks to our wonderful patrons, Josh Brandon, Gerilyn Brewer, Belinda Broido, Elliot Charles, Gillian Dos Santos, Rachel Esteban, Mercedes Esteban Lyons, Rusty Fox, David Jones, James T. Lane, Alison Matthews, Al Monaco, David Negrin, Amy Penn, Gerald Piper, Jesse Rabinowitz and Brenda Goodman, David and Catherine Rabinowitz, Joe Tillotson, and Beck Twist for financially supporting the site. FilmedLifeMusicals.com is the most comprehensive list of film stage musicals. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you would like early access to this very podcast, early access to site content, the full weekly newsletter with info on upcoming streams, and exclusive access to the streaming calendar, become a Filmed Live Musicals patron for as little as $3 a month. And if you're outside the US, you can sign up in your local currency. Visit filmedlivemusicals.com to learn more. If you like what you hear, please leave a review through the Rate This Podcast link in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and thanks for listening.